And the church said, Amen. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful service thus far. The music, the great words of testimony. But it's just a heart and the attitude that we come this morning. Because we come with such a special time. You know, even though I was here for just a little short while before uh, God moved me into helping this other church, but, but you know, the Sunday that I left, you know, I said to the church, I'm coming back. Just as soon as God releases me from where I'm at, I'm coming back. And no matter where I go, you know, I, I, I tell folks that my pastor is Hilton Woodell. That's, that's my pastor, uh, because I still consider myself a part of who you are. Amen. And brother, you've been an inspiration to many throughout the years, not simply here at Reedy Branch. You've been a blessing to people no matter where you were. No matter where you've been, people are always talking about uh, Reverend Hilton Woodell. And we thank God for shaping and forming you into the person that you are. Because the church right here on this curve, God sent you here for a reason, a specific reason. And it was God's plan. And therefore, we're just participants in what God was wanting to do. And so we give God thanks and praise for all that he does through you and your family. We know that a man is being a pastor in the Methodist church for 30 years. I know and understand that you cannot stand and do the things that you do. We know that we're kept by the power of God. God does all of this for us. But it takes someone who is walking by his side. And my wife is somewhere in the midst here, in the, in the middle back there. And, and if it wasn't for her walking with me and helping uh, me along the way, I would have never been able to survive 30 years uh, in the pastoral uh, ministry. And so I thank God for your family, your wife and your daughter, and your, your mother and your father are here somewhere. I met them uh, this morning, and so we give God thanks and praise. But as the brother has reminded us, we're not here this morning. We're here to, to celebrate with him. But we're here to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who we're here uh, to worship. And so this morning, um, I, I'm accustomed to reading the scripture out of the New Revised Standard Version, but, but I, 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 I wanted to, I, I wanted to um, uh, pay attention to where I was at in uh, New King James Version. I think that's what your pastor uses. And so it's all good. It's all good. It's all the Word of God. And so uh, it's just like, uh, it's, it's, I, I tell them it's about like ragu. It, it's in there. It's in there. And so we thank God. Uh, for different interpretations or different translations of the Bible. And so this morning, if you would, uh, out of the reverence of the reading of the Scripture, the Word of God, will you stand with me around the building? And now it's a long, sort of a long passage, and so if you need to sit down, you'd be my guest to go ahead and do that. But, but this is where the Lord led me. And this is a very familiar story to all who 
uh, who are here today. And it's a story about the woman at the well. But I want to share with you some things that there was a lot more going on than a woman sitting at a well. It was a lot more than Jesus just coming by to her. And so we'll share with you what God has laid upon our hearts. You know, it had to be special because there were two ways to get from Judea to Galilee where Jesus was at. Jesus was where John the Baptist was at. He was there and they had some talk there with uh, about him. And so Jesus decided to go to Galilee. But now Jesus could have took the road, the easy road. He could have went down the Jordan Valley that was soft and flat. But Jesus says, I must go through Samaria. You see, he took the road less traveled. And it was rocky and it was mountainous because Jesus had a plan and Jesus had a purpose. Hear the word of the Lord. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. I believe there was a little bit of sarcasm uh, that was coming out of her mouth. But Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that has given it to you and says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to drink with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up unto everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have, you have said, well, uh, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you are with now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. This woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Listen to what this woman does now. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, 
see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And many Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. This is the word of God for we the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Father, we thank you and we love you. And God, we pray now, Father, that you would illumine our hearts and our minds. God, we thank you, Lord, for the words of testimonies that we heard. And God, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the message in the music, Lord. And so, God, now we ask, Lord, that you would take your servant now and hide him behind the cross. Lord, that you may be revealed to those who do not know you as Lord and Savior of their lives. And, Father, as you hide him behind the cross, allow him to decrease that you may increase. And, God, we'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. For it is in the name of the Christ we do pray. And let all of God's beautiful people say together, Amen. Amen. You see, when we look at this passage of Scripture, we'll find that this is the largest one-on-one conversation report recorded in Scripture. It's the longest one-on-one conversation that's recorded in Scripture. Jesus carried on a long conversation with this woman. Why? Because Jesus understood that there was something broken. There was broken vessels in our life. And so Jesus had come by that way. And so if God allow me this morning, I want to speak to you for just a little while on broken vessels. If you take nothing else home with you, I want you to take this home with you this morning. God affirms all that we've been through and invites us into healthy relationships, wholeness, and sharing living water with others. You see, that's what God wants from us in our lives. You see, I remember a time when I was coming up as a young boy there in in Roland. I remember that as I was there, I was on my bicycle and I was riding by the back of the high school one day. And they had a swimming pool back there from years, years ago. And uh, many of my friends that I went to school with and played Little League ball, you know, they were there at the town pool and I saw them you know and they they were yelling at me and waving and everything and so I wanted to swim too and so I went over to the pool and tried to go in but I was denied entrance into the pool uh, because of my ethnicity because I was an Indian I could not swim in their pool but some of my friends the friends that I went to school with and played with They laughed at me and, um, you know, they just laughed when I was told that that I couldn't come into the pool. And so I felt disconnected. I felt marginalized. Why? The water was there. My friends were there. I realized it was because of the fact that I was an Indian and it was a whites only pool. But my baseball coach, who was white himself, heard what took place and invited the boys from my community to swim at his pool at any time that we wanted. He said, you just come. You just come and swim any time that you want. You see, he never spoke of what had happened that day. He never mentioned it to me. He never said, this is the reason why I'm wanting you to come and to swim in my pool. But I knew. I knew why. You see... 
Feeling connected and valued is an important part of human well-being. And it is something that Jesus shows us that he cares about by truly seeing us. Seeing us and empowering us to share the life that he has given us with others. You see, that's what Jesus wants us to do is this life, this opportunity that we have. As the young lady was singing about America, the greatest country in this world. And yet and still we go through so many, but there's so much that we can share with others. And this is what God is wanting for us to share what he has given us with others. There are a few things in this passage of scripture that I want to bring out and I want to be the first one to tell you. You know, a lot of people say, well, preacher, you're a paper preacher. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm a paper preacher. You know, I write my sermons out and everything in seminary. That's what I was trained to do and and that's what I do. But let me tell you something. It may be on paper, but first of all, it came from God. You see, if God can hold the world in the palm of his hand, then to be sure God can sit with me as I'm writing and pinning down what God wants me to say to you because God says this is what I want you to say and he allows me to write it down the same way that God gave men and women the authority to write this Amen. And I'm not comparing what I've got here to this, but it flows out of that. But there's some things that I want you to see. The first one is this. Jesus reached out to her. Jesus took the initiative. Now, sometimes I preach and sometimes I teach, so bear with me uh, today. But the Samaritan woman whom Jesus encounters at the well is in a vulnerable position in many ways. She has clearly been through a lot in that she has had five husbands and the one that she is not with now is with now is not her husband. You see Jesus was in a place called Sakar. And in Sakar there were two different groups of people that lived there. And first it was the original Canaanites. They were the original people that were there. But somehow, many years before, the Jewish people had settled there as well. Some of the Jewish people had broken off and had settled there. And so they intermingled and married these Samaritans, uh, uh, these Canaanites, and they became what they call Samaritans. And so they were really just half Jews. They were half-breeds. And so the full-blooded uh, uh, Jewish people wanted to have nothing to do with them. And so any respectable Jew would never go through Samaria. They would go around. They would walk around the long way, Brother Henry, in order to get to where they needed to go because they didn't want to have anything to do with those people because they considered them lower than dogs. And so they would not go through the city. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, listen, I must go through Samaria. And, and so the disciples were looking and saying, what in the world is wrong with this man? Especially in your rabbi and you're wanting to go through Samaria. But you see, this woman was there and we know the story and how she came there. And she, she came there in the middle of the day at noontime. And that was not the time that women normally went uh, to, the, to the watering trough, to the well. That was not that time because it was hot. It was ablaze uh, 
but yet and still, that's where she found herself uh, coming day by day because there are many things that we can speculate about what was going on in her life. But we know that she was probably one of the talked about women. She was ostracized, much like I was ostracized standing there that day ready with my shorts on, had taken off my shoes, ready to park my bicycle and get into that cool, cool spring of water that was there. But yet and still... I was not allowed to because of who I was. And so it was now that this woman was standing there and she knew and understood something about her life and how she was ostracized by the community. And so she find herself, uh, found herself there because that was a time when the other women were not there. And so she found herself there by herself. But yet and still, Jesus said that I must go through Jerusalem, to, through Samaria as he left Jerusalem. And so he, when he went, he comes and he sees this woman. And so he has, starts having this conversation with her. And she has clearly been through a lot in that she has had these five husbands. And the one that she's with now is not her husband. But now let's be clear about something. There is nothing in the text to suggest that this woman is promiscuous as she would have no control or say about their marriage arrangements. You know, a woman could be put away just simply for, you know, anything. A, a man could just, uh, uh, her husband could have just come up and saw another woman that he wanted to give her a bill of divorce and that was her. And she was out on her own. And so sometimes we want to make this woman a mockery because of having five husbands and not, not the husband, uh, the woman that she was with now was not her husband. But there's nothing in the script, uh, the, the text passage that would even say that she was promiscuous. Yet she has been through a lot of change and likely loss. Because listen, in that day and time, a woman had to have somebody to support her. And all of her husbands had went away. And it could be that her, hus her first five husbands had passed away. And she had no children. She had no one to take care of her. And so she found this man and she was living with this man without him even being her husband. But no doubt about it that this woman had suffered loss in her life. And in the conversation with Jesus, she is vulnerable as a Samaritan speaking with a Jew. And in uh, the disciples' astonishment that Jesus was speaking with a woman demonstrates how women in general were viewed or not viewed as a conversation partner at the time. There are three things. The Jews were supposed, weren't supposed to speak to Samaritans. They just were not. That was men or women. You were not supposed to speak to Samaritans. Men weren't permitted to address women without their husbands present. And a rabbi had no business speaking to ladies such as this one. Jesus was willing to toss out the rules, but our woman at the well wasn't. You see, she kept going back and she kept trying to stay into a conversation that Jesus was trying to move her out of. She wanted to focus on the law, but God, Jesus wanted to focus on grace. That's what Jesus was wanting to focus on. And you see, sometimes even in our lives and even in the life of the church, sometimes we want to focus on the law instead of focusing on God's amazing grace and what God has done for us. Brother Brian sings a song here sometimes and it's called it was because of God's grace it was God's grace it was his amazing grace yes. 
You see, that's what Jesus wanted to focus on, but she wanted to focus on the law. But there's another thing that I want us to see, is that Jesus broke down the barriers that divide people. Jesus broke them down. Despite these barriers of her being a Samaritan and Jesus being a Jew, her being a woman and Jesus being a Jewish rabbi, Jesus shows up as the woman goes about her daily routine and truly sees her for who she is. What did Jesus do? Jesus asked for a drink. You see, this woman is capable and worthy of providing water to Jesus. The woman asked theological and social questions or statements. And Jesus takes her seriously as a conversation partner in defiance of the norms around associating with Samaritans and women. He breaks down the boundaries and the limits of her religious understanding to offer her something better. Jesus says, we, you, you worship out of something you do not know. But we worship out of what we do know. You see, the woman is honest when Jesus asks her to call her husband, even if it makes her vulnerable. Jesus sees the woman as a truth teller. Notice Jesus just sees and accepts the truth of the woman's life. And there is no talk of sin in this passage. What are you trying to get at, preacher? I'm trying to get at this. Her life was like a broken cup. Have you ever had something to break in the sink? Just a few weeks ago, my wife was in the, uh, had the dishes in the, uh, in the sink there and she was washing and all of a sudden I heard her yell out and she said, this thing broke. And it was broke. And what, do, what does she do with it? She picked it up and she threw it in the trash because that's what you do with broken things, right? But you see, Jesus was there and Jesus knew that her life was a broken cup. But Jesus was there. The law said, you throw it away. It's no good. It's no good to anybody. But Jesus was there and saying, oh, wait a minute. I want to share with her about my grace and my love for her. You see, that's what Jesus did. And I'll be honest with you. If the church would focus more on God's love and God's grace... There would not be as many people on the outside of the church as they are today. Focusing on God's grace. You see, this woman, she does not have much hope for life getting better. This woman has had five husbands and the one that she's living with now is not her husband. She has no children to help support her as she grows older. And she has hoped for a better life before. In fact, during her first five marriages, she entered with hope for a better life, but it never seemed to work out. And she found herself back in the same place again and again and again and again. Her life was broken. Her cup was broken. And she couldn't see any other way. You see, she had given up on marriage. 
She had given up on really living. You see, she had five husbands and all of them either wise put her away or had died and left her and went on to uh, be in glory somewhere or, or wherever they ended up. But yet and still, she had hoped that this is the one. This is the one that's going to help me out of this brokenness in my life. And yet again, he leads. And then another one comes along and she had the same hope all over again and, uh, and find out that one's gone as well. And you see, she felt that all of her hope was gone. She was alone and she felt hopeless. She was only existing from, from one day to the next. She was really only living a shadow of a life, not a real life, not real living. Do you know anybody like that? That just seems as though they've given up all hope in life. They're just living life day by day. They just don't know and understand anything better. They don't have any hope for the future. You see, that's what I see in the eyes of a lot of people. When I look and I see them and they're how tangled, entangled with drugs. And you know what I'm talking about. You see them every day. And many of them, they're somebody's children. They're somebody's husband. They're somebody's father. But yet and still, they're giving up hope in life because they feel that there's nothing there for them. Their cup is broken and they can't hold the living water of Christ in their lives because of the simple fact that it's broken and they have no hope. They seem to be without the hope in their lives. The same way that this woman at the well was. Friends, I want to tell you, living life without hope is only a shadow of a life. It's only a shadow of a life. Not fully embracing, not fully living into the abundance of life. God came to give us life and and have it more abundantly. But we're settling for so much less even in our lives. There's some of us that are here this morning. You're settling for so much less than what God wants to offer you. God wants to offer you everlasting life. This water of life. He's wanting to mend your broken cup. But we're settling for mediocrity. You see, it is if Jesus honors this woman, her questions, her religious and cultural background, her voice and her life experience, and the woman gradually begins to have an understanding of who Jesus is. He was there, brother, and he was taking the time to have that conversation with her, and all of a sudden it started ringing. Things were happening in her life, and she began to question. She began to uh, seemingly understand who Jesus is She goes from seeing him as a Jew she should not be talking to, to recognizing that he might be the Messiah. And it all was in a conversation that Jesus had with her. But the last thing that I want you to see is that Jesus changed her life. Jesus changed her life. Listen to this. When things break, God can and will bring purpose and beauty out of the brokenness. Amen? You might as well say amen. I'm going to preach. God can bring so much goodness out of our brokenness. 
That's God. That's what God can do. You see, sometimes we want to focus on the law, but God focuses on the grace. You see, Kintsugi, or the golden joinery, also known as golden repair, is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. That's, you see, that's what the Japanese, they don't throw it out. They don't throw it out. They mix a paste and they, they mend it back together. They take the time just like the potter and the potter's will. And they form it and they mix this paste. And they put not ordinary things in it. They put the most expensive things that were known to man. And they mix a lacquer and they mend it back together again. You see, Jesus asked the woman for a drink. And by the end, she is able to offer living water out of the broken cup that he has helped put back together again. You see, that's what Jesus can do. Jesus can take the broken cups of our lives and mend them back together again. Take God's grace, his mercy, and his compassion and bring them back together again. And they'll be more valuable than they've ever been before. You see, what was Jesus doing here? Jesus was doing something that you and I fail to see sometimes. The Jews and the Samaritans didn't mix. They just did not mix together. And they didn't drink from the same cup. They never would. They would never drink from the same cup. But what is Jesus doing here? Jesus is taking this encounter with this woman and mending her broken cup that she can in turn share that cup the cup of living water, it can hold the water again and it can be shared with others because Jews and Samaritans did not mix. There are two places in the Bible that I want you to see now. This is a side note. There are two places in the Bible. I think it's Genesis 29 and 6. Who do we find at the well before? Jacob was at the well. And what did Jacob bring to the well? He brought a proposal for marriage to Rachel. Right? And this was all before the division between the Jews and the Samaritans. This is when everything was together. When the cup was whole. The cup wasn't broken. The cup was full. It could hold God's love, mercy, and grace. But through the human actions, it was broken. And God was here. And what Jesus came, Jesus said, I got to go by this well again. And Jacob, Jacob brought a proposal of marriage. But I'm going to bring a proposal of reconciliation. Bringing people back into a relationship with God. When your life is broken, that's what God wants to do for us, is to bring it back together again. You think about things that might be preventing you from receiving the cup of living water that Jesus offers. You see, like the woman, it might be questions about faith 
or being so busy with the day-to-day that you don't notice when Jesus is encountering through someone, something, or in prayer, or what he's really offering you. Maybe there is a part of yourself or your history that you feel is unworthy and needs to be hidden. You need to hide it from people. You feel that you're unworthy. You're not worthy of God's grace. You're not worthy of the living water. You see, the woman at the well is a model for receiving living water. She asks her questions courageously, honestly. She pauses first for a person in perceived need and then for a full conversation. She is honest about herself and her life. And she defies social expectations. See, she defies all of that. So God moved her from law to grace, to God's amazing grace because her life was broken. Her cup was fragmented. But you see, that's what God wants to do for all of us. There's some of you that are here this morning. Your cup is broken. Your cup has been broken for a long time. And you, sometimes we're, we're ashamed to let people know about our brokenness. And somehow we don't know how to find our way back. But God is at the well this morning. And God is there to mend your life back together again. But there's something that God helped me to see in this passage that I never really noticed before. She left a water pot and rushed back to the town. My God, that's the reason why she went there. She was thirsty. Somebody needed some water. Instead of saying, wait a minute, Jesus, let me me fill this water pot here. No. She dropped a water pot and she ran back to the town. You see, her purpose in coming had been to draw water. Yet she goes off without it. Why? Why? Why did she think... She found something far greater. She found real life. She found that life that she had been looking for. She had tried to find that life with marrying men and it failed and it failed and it failed. But she found the river of life. The real life. You see, she was transformed from the inside out. You see, a lot of times, I'm going to get real here now, a lot of times we want to push people out of our church. Amen? You might as well say it. I'm going to preach it anyway. I'm not your preacher. I'm going to be gone next week. Hey, I'll stir them up. You settle them down. But a lot of times we run people off from the church because they don't dress like we do. They don't smell like we do. They don't act like we do. But you see, what God does is transforms us from the inside out. You see, a lot of times people will say, well, when I get myself fixed up, preacher, I'll come to the church. I say, well, I'll never see you then. Because you can't fix yourself up good enough on the outside to be worthy enough for Jesus on the inside. Jesus starts from the inside and he forms and he shapes you. You see... Her her life was transformed. She found that life abundant, that living water. But suddenly, 
suddenly the whole purpose and direction of her life had changed completely. It changed. It changed. She came there to get water. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? She ran off and forgot her bucket. She just had to flip the water. I ain't worried about the water. She just ran off and and ran to to the town. It's much like a young man. I was serving a church, Pleasant Grove over there, and a young man named Dean. Uh, We had Bible study that Wednesday night. And I told the church, I said, I won't be here tonight. I'm going to go see uh, Dean. Dean's wife and his children came to church. Dean wasn't saved. So the Lord said, I want you to go and see him. And so I obeyed the Lord and I went over to where he was at. And he received Christ as Lord and Savior of his life that night. And then as we walked out the door, we was, I was standing at my truck and he was saying his goodbyes and we were still praising the Lord uh, there in the door of my truck. And then all of a sudden, I looked and Dean was gone. And it was in the summertime. And you know how it is in the summertime. The field had just been distied right beside of his house. And I could see the little white spots. Because guess what? He said, I got to go tell mother. And so he ran across the yard, left the preacher standing in the yard. He said, I got to go tell mother. And so he ran across the yard to tell his mother. You see, because his whole purpose and direction of his life had completely changed. You see, and it's just like this woman. Her first priority was now to tell others about Jesus. That was her priority. Jesus had transformed and changed her heart. And now her priority was to tell others about Jesus. She wanted to tell them of her personal experience of Christ. She wanted to tell somebody. It's much like the song that we sing sometimes and the name of it is Pass It On. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you spread his love to everyone. You want to pass it on. Friends, listen. When Jesus comes into your life, you can't help but to tell somebody. You've got to go and tell them, listen. More than just receiving living water, this story is about sharing it with others. This woman took Jesus' story, connected it with her story, and then connected Jesus' story and her story with the community story, which helped the community encounter God. You see, when we intertwine our story with God's story and with the community's story, people's lives will be changed. I want to ask you a question. How do we share the living water that Jesus pours into our cup? How do we share it? How do we share it? Listen, loving the gospel, living the gospel. What? Sharing the gospel. How do we do that? How do we do that in our lives? Who do you know that is thirsty? Who do you know that needs Christ? How do you share the gospel with them? Listen, Joe McGird opening up his pool 
And God's reservoir of grace poured into my broken life and moved me beyond that experience at the pool. You see, I didn't let it get me down. I didn't let it make me bitter. All of my friends that laughed at them, I just beat them up. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. It was because of His grace and His love through others sharing the gospel with me that transformed and changed my life. Friend, I just dropped by here to say this to you. We're all broken. We all have scars. But God is in the restoration business. And God has come to make your vessel all that it was intended to be. You see, sometimes with what God planned for us, it wasn't, He didn't plan the brokenness. He didn't plan the fragmented. He didn't, he didn't plan for our vessels to be broken. But yet and still, God mends those broken pieces back together. And makes our lives better than what it was before. And make our lives what it was intended to be. You see, some time ago, I walked through a season in my life when God asked me to surrender my brokenness, my broken cup, to Him for healing. It was a painful season as I began to face some deep wounds from the past. But however, over time, as I surrendered my broken cup to God, He put all my pieces inside His cup that no longer had any cracks and was able to hold water. You see, that's what God can do for us. Whenever we're in the season of brokenness, we can't hold the water. We can't, but God comes in and God heals it. And then our lives are able to hold that reservoir of God's grace once again. And as I chose to come to him each day for his living water, my brokenness was replaced with true satisfaction in Christ. You see, God could have said, he's broken. He could have done just like my wife did to that broke bowl. Just throw it in the trash can. It's no good. But God didn't. God began a process. Kitsugi. God began to mail. He picked out the product that he wanted. And he began to mix it. And he began to talk to me in my life. And he began to repair the brokenness. Friends, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, and you're going through some dark times in your life, and I know that there are some here, a group this large, there's someone here. There is no mountain too high, no valley too low, no place you'll ever find where His mercy will not go. You can run and hide, but his love won't let you get away because there's no place 
too far from God's grace. There's no place. I found that in my own life. With all the devilment that I did in my life, I found out that you can't outrun God. There's nowhere that you can get away from God's grace. Friends, if you're here, you'll never know the joy of this abundant life that Jesus promises until you experience him for yourself. I can tell you about him all day. But until you experience him for yourself, you'll never know the abundant life that Jesus has to offer. May today be your turning point. God can take your cup, your mess, and turn it into a masterpiece. I'm going to ask the group if you'll come and and begin to play softly. You see, if you're here today and you've got some brokenness in your life, I want to talk to you for just a few moments. If you're broken, if your life feels like it's been fragmented, I want to offer you Jesus Christ this morning. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. You see, Jacob came to the well with a promise, a proposal for marriage. But Jesus came to that same well with a proposal of grace, God's grace. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, You see, I'm thankful that a long time ago I was broken. I needed something in my life. And as the preacher preached that morning, I had taken a fall, I was paralyzed. I couldn't walk. My life felt like it was over. I was asking God, God, why did I even survive? It would have been better for me, Lord, that I wasn't here. But as the preacher preached that morning, he said something that stood out in my mind. And it captured me in a way that no other words had ever captured before. When he simply said, Jesus loves you. Just those words 
transformed my life. Because I knew that my family loved me. But to hear that Jesus, the creator of this world, actually loved me with all my brokenness. People lifted me and helped me to the altar of God's grace. And there, God mended my broken cup. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, as everybody, everybody's head is bowed and all eyes are closed, I want you to just look at me. I want you to just look at me. If you don't know Jesus, I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus, if your cup is broken this morning, God's grace is here. God is here for you this morning. And God is saying to you, I love you so much that I was willing to give my life that you could have life. God is saying, come to the altar of grace. If you're here and you want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, or if you just want the pastor to pray with you, maybe you're going through something in your life and you feel as though you can't come on your own, I want you to just reach your hand into the hand of the person that is beside of you. And no matter who that person is, that person will come with you to the altar. Father, God, we thank you and we love you. God, I pray as this group, as they sing of your amazing grace and hearts are pondering about their brokenness, I pray, God, that you would take your story this story that we share today and their story and intertwine them that they will come to this altar and surrender their hearts and their lives to you. God, we're going to ask you to work while we wait. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit of God, we pray. Amen. The altar is open for those who would come.